الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أم حسبت أن أصحاب الكهف والرقيم كانوا من آياتنا عجبا صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن شاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين ونرب العلماء رسبت الحفاظ بلغ برادز الألز رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم informed every one of us that from the time of the creation of this dunya till the time قيامت will take place there isn't an affair or a fitna which is worse than the fitna of Dajjal. Every Nabi who had come onto the surface of this earth warned his people regarding the severity of this fitna, informing them and teaching them to take special precaution, to take special care in the face of this great fitna. Rasulullah comforted his ummah and said, If Dajjal appears, If Dajjal appears whilst I'm around, then I will suffice you against the fitna of Dajjal. But if Dajjal comes, when I've left this world, then every person will have to defend himself. In order to equip us with some sort of weaponry, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa explained that if any one of you has to cross paths with Dajjal, then the weapon you'll use to safeguard and protect yourself is the recitation of Suratul Kahf. You recite Suratul Kahf and this will be a means of you guarding and protecting yourself against this severe fitna of Dajjal. We are encouraged to recite this fitna if we cross paths with Dajjal. We are encouraged as part of the sunnah to recite the surah every Friday. One hadith, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam says, if you recite the surah on a Friday, Allah ta'ala grants you special protection and immunization for the next eight days. Till the next Friday, for one entire week, you'll be protected against any fitna, even if it be the fitna of Dajjal, just as a result 
of reciting the surah on a Friday. Alhamdulillah, from the time we are young, we are in the habit of reciting the surah on Fridays. May Allah keep this habit with us till the day we leave this world. It's a means of protection and it's something we have to adopt to be saved from every type of fitna. Just the mere recitation of this, fitna, of this surah serves as a protection from the various challenges that could come to us at any time. We will recite this surah and Nabi wasalam says we will be protected from every type of fitna, even if it's the worst type of fitna, the fitna of Dajjal. This is the recitation of the surah. Now obviously, there must be some link why from the various 114 surahs of Quran, this surah specifically is chosen to protect us and guard us from fitna. The recitation will protect us. But there must be something inside the surah. There must be a message that the surah contains, which has a special link to guard us and protect us against fitna. So what is mentioned in the surah amongst the very first incidents, stories, narratives and quotations in the surah is the story of the sleepers of the cave. Uniquely, strangely, the fitna and the trial that these people went through in their age, in their time. Allah makes mention about them in the Quran Karim, especially in the surah. The surah is called Suratul Kahf, the surah of the cave. In its special mention is made about those youngsters, a group of youth who took sanctuary in a cave to guard and protect their deen. When we analyze their incident and we look at the trials they went through and the method they adopted to save themselves from fitna, there's a strong resemblance between the fitnas and problems and challenges that you and I face day to day. So if we adopt the very similar methods, the methodology, the things they did, inshallah, this will serve as solution for us throughout our problems as well. Firstly, let's understand who were these sleepers of the cave. They were a group of youngsters. The quran Karim speaks about them. People have different views regarding them. One mentioned finally is They were a group of about seven youngsters. And the eighth, they had their dog, which was a guard dog or a hunting dog. It also accompanied them. They were of Roman descent. They were the, the children of wealthy Roman kings, etc. And it so happened that they were living in an age when there was a, an oppressive king who was ruling over them. And it was law that no one is allowed to worship anyone besides the idols that this king has put before the people. He used to, anyone who didn't listen to him, anyone who didn't accept this belief, these ideologies of his, this person was killed, he was put through problems. And the entire state, the city that these people were living in, everyone was engaged in this type of worship. His name, the name of this king was Dakyanus. And he involved people in this, they used to hold fairs, they used to hold festivities. And everything, they used to even slaughter animals in the names of these animals. So it was during one of these festivities that these, everyone was there at the festival. Then uniquely, Allah Taala inspires into the hearts of these youngsters, Allah puts the thought of guidance. And one youngster, whilst he's at this festival, he thinks to himself, this is incorrect. The people, the, in the ibadat that these people are engaging in, ibadat is only worthy, only Allah is worship of, uh, worthy of this type of worship. What these people are engaging in is incorrect. So he thought to himself, let me separate myself. He gets away from the festival, one boy, one youngster, and he goes in the distance and finds a tree. He sits under the tree. Then a second youngster, he also sees what's happening. He also leaves that festival. 
and he goes to the same tree. And then a third and a fourth until now there's a, a group of about seven of them. Everyone is seated under the tree. Everyone knows in his heart why he left, why he couldn't stay in that festival. But no one has the courage, no one has the guts to mention why he's come under the tree because maybe the person next to him will take that report and give it to the king and this will result in them being tortured, in being, being persecuted, in them maybe, maybe being executed. Until finally all of them were quiet, one person plucks up the courage and he says, Inni wallahi ra'aytu ma'alayhi qawmi. He says, no one is saying anything. Every one of us I have gathered for a certain reason. Let me explain to you why I have gathered. The reason why I have come here is because I saw the activities my people are engaging in. And I realized that whatever these people are doing is totally wrong. It's got no basis. It's something we need to run away from. These people are bowing their heads before idols. But I have understood that there is no one worthy of worship. The only being worthy of worship the only being for whom no partner must be attributed to is Allah who is the creator of the skies and the earth and whatever is in between them. And I've realized that only Allah is worthy of this worship. Hence, I separated myself from these people. The second youngster, he mentions the exact same reason. The third and the fourth, until the entire group, they've now realized that now they're all uh, belonging to the same fraternity. As they say in English, birds of a feather flock together. They never knew they never discussed with each other. But Allah instilled that light of hidayat into the heart of a person. This is the first struggle many of us go through. Learning from this incident. When wrong is taking place, then sometimes it's a thought that Allah puts in someone's heart. Sometimes it's because of a program. It's because of something we've read. Or something we've heard. Or someone we've met. And one statement... But Allah is instilling hidayat and guidance in someone's heart very uniquely and very subtle. It's up to us to take advantage of that. When the thought of the right thing comes into our mind, we act immediately. We don't delay. As these youngsters, the thought came in, they separated themselves. They saw they could not win over their people. So they thought, let us move separately. And Allah Ta'ala slowly created a group for them. These youngsters, then they thought to themselves, we're going to have to engage in the worship of our Allah. So they built a little place. They built a type of place of worship, what we would call a masjid. They built a masjid and they built a place of worship. And now we're going to separate ourselves from what these people are doing. We're going to have to engage in something right and correct. So they built up this masjid and they used to gather here whenever they could and worship Allah. This teaches us the importance of the masjid in the life of any person. At the moment, we know we're going to separate ourselves from the wrong. We're going to have to find an alternative. We're going to have to find another place, another action, another set of rules which we're going to follow. And obviously, these are the rules of Islam. The rules that are shown to us by Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam and our gathering place will be the masjid, will be the place where we will frequent. And this place will be our sanctuary. This place will be a means of protection. As Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam explained to us, that this masjid holds so much of importance in the life of every mu'min. It's the most beloved of places on the surface of, of the earth. So they built this masjid and they used to worship Allah. But not long, not much time had passed. The people realized that these youngsters have separated themselves and they are engaging in worship other than the idols which have been allocated by the king. And they took the report up to the king. These people 
were spied on, they were spied in front of the king. The king calls his people up and asks them, what are you people worshipping? Allah Ta'ala makes mention of this in Quran. This is now another major struggle that any person who chooses the path of righteousness, he has to face. It's a struggle he has to come across. And he's made a choice. We've made a choice not to do what the rest of the world is doing. Not to go with the flow. Then there's going to be implications. Like here these implications when I brought before these people, what are they going to do? They stood firm. When Allah instills hidayat in someone and someone stands up firm for Allah, Allah Taala inspires his heart with the right answers. Allah inspires his mind with the courage to be able to face whatever is going to come in front of him. The king is now threatening them. He sees their royal garb and he strips them off that garb. He begins threatening them. He begins telling them a whole host of things. Allah says, وَرَبَطَنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَنْ نَدْعُوَ مِن دُونِهِ إِلَاهًا لَقَدْ قُلْنَا إِذَنْ شَطَطًا Allah says, we've strengthened their heart. We gave them the courage. And in front of all the power of the king, they begin telling him that our Rabb is the Rabb of the skies and the earth. We will never ascribe any partner to our Rabb. If we do such a thing, then we'll definitely be engaging in wrong in speaking lies. The king was upset. But he thought to himself, let me not punish them, they are young, let me give them some time. He says, okay, I'll give you all some respite. What you'll do is, you'll go take a, maybe a day or two. And in this time, think about what you'll really want to do. You can come back to this religion of idol worship, or you can remain the way you are, and you'll be persecuted, you'll be executed, you'll be put to problems. These youngsters, they leave the presence of the king, and then they take this opportunity of respite to themselves and they think the only way is we, we have to guard our deen. If we're going to come back into this religion, if we're going to join what these people are doing, maybe we will outwardly enjoy more worldly comforts and comforts, but we will be disobeying Allah Taala. So they decide to themselves, now is the time when we, since we can't change the king, we cannot fight the king. These people aren't listening and they're not changing towards our ways. The only way for us right now is to separate ourselves. So these youngsters decide that we are going to go and take asylum in the cave. We're going to go into one of the mountains and this will be a means of protection. You and I may not have to run away to a cave today, but you and I also faced with challenges and the minimum requirement, if we aren't going to leave and go into a cave, which many of us may not have the strength to do, but the minimum requirement is when wrong is taking place, at least we move away from the wrong. We don't join the wrong that people are engaging in and we take Ibrat and listen from these people of the steeples of the cave. They go into that cave and they go into hiding. The king is informed that these people have escaped. The king Dakyanus with his army, with his troops, he goes in search of these youngsters, but miraculously Allah Taala blinds them. They try to find, they go into different jungles, they go into different caves and mountains, looking for these youngsters. Allah Taala through his divine aid and protection, he allowed them to be conceived. When they entered the cave, Allah Ta'ala then says, what had transpired? They went, they, when they came into the cave and they left, it was the early part of the morning. They entered the cave and Allah says, as they entered, فَضَرَبْنَا عَلَىٰ أَذَانِهِمْ فِي الْكَهْفِ سِنِينَ عَدَدًا you know, They needed to rest, took a rest. And Allah says, that we put a seal over their ears. We had closed their ears. When a person goes to sleep, all his senses come to a halt. And the last thing to go off, or the last thing to take a break is a person's ears. The only way to wake a person up, his sense of hearing is low, but he can still hear. Allah says, in order to put them into the deep sleep, Allah had placed a seal on their ears. And Allah doesn't say 
it was there for a few minutes or a few hours. Allah says for many years. Many years the scene was placed. And these people had gone into that cave. In another verse of the Quran, Allah describes how long they were there. They remained in that sleeping state for 309 years. 309 years. This was a form of Allah protecting. Nobody can sleep for this amount of time. Allah allowed this to happen over these people for multiple reasons. Allah arranged for their protection. And since they were there for 309 years, how would a person be able to survive in that time? There's no food. There's nothing to drink. But Allah says, What Allah says, even when the sun would rise, Allah would make it such that it would not hit their bodies. Because it would affect their clothing, it could affect their bodies. When it would set as well, Allah kept them in a spacious part of the cave. Allah kept turning their bodies so that their bodies don't remain in one position and they develop bed sores and they develop ulcers. Allah kept turning their bodies. If someone When you look at them, if someone had to see them, you would think that they were awake. Allah kept their eyes open. If you saw them, you were filled with awe. So that no one comes and interferes with their body. And as a unique form of protection, that dog that had followed them, which was like a guard dog for them or a hunting dog, which is allowed in Islam. This dog... That dog was crouching outside the cave. And if anyone came, he would see the dog. And he, would, he wouldn't feel like interfering because even the dog looked like he was awake. This entire period had passed. After 309 years, these people wake up. When they wake up, they begin discussing. How long have you waited in this cave? When they went in the cave, it was the morning. And now it was some late part of the afternoon. So they thought, We've stayed for one day. Some are saying portion of a day because they came in the morning and now it's the afternoon. Anyway, they decided that we are hungry, we need to eat something. They sent someone into the town to look for food. They sent, Go into the town, but we know when they went to sleep, the last memory they had of the town is that there was haram meat being sold because people were selling, they were slaughtering their animals in the names of the idols. So they tell him to take this money, take these few coins, go into the town and look for some halal meat. We understand Mufti Shafi Sabrahimullah says, if you are in a place that where meat or food is being sold of all different types, and a person has to be very, very cautious, not just to take anything or buy anything, purchase anything, he should be careful about what he's buying, he should be careful that only halal is entering his system. So they send this person with this money as he leaves the cave. Remember, he's seeing this very same time, this very same town of his, 309 years later. And he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know 309 years have passed. As he comes down, he's not sure whether he is still asleep, whether he's seeing things. What has happened? Because the town that he saw is totally different. The landmarks, the buildings, the things all around are so different. Nevertheless, he takes this money and he goes to the closest vendor, closest food vendor. To purchase some food, as he goes in, begins speaking to this person, he wants to buy some food, he made his investigation, this food was halal, and he goes to pay the money. When this person looks at the money, it's a coin that's over 309 years old. It's not the normal cash that they are using today. So the food vendor, he looks at the money, and then he passes it to this person next to him, the food vendor next to him. 
until all the shopkeepers, this coin goes around and the, all the shopkeepers come and they begin questioning this person. Where did you get this money from? He says, this is the money that I brought with me, that I had with me yesterday and I wish to purchase food. And this is, um, he explains to him that we are from, we, 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 we are part of this town and the print, the mint on the coin was of the king Daqianus. So they begin thinking this man is, has lost his mind. Daqianus was a king 300 years ago. What is this man talking about? So they look at him in astonishment and then they thought that perhaps this person has found a treasure. A treasure which is 300 years old and he's brought a coin from there. Then they take this affair up to the king. It so happened that now the king, the Daqianus, that oppressive king, he had been overthrown and after many years this Muslim king had now ruled. The entire town were Muslims. They were pious people and they took it up to the king and the king asks him his story and he realizes that this man, that the king has changed, the town has changed, this person relates the entire story, the king is amazed and he tells him that I want you to take me, I want to meet the rest of your companions. So he says, okay, the king assures him that he's a Muslim and Daqianus has now passed away, has died and this person now takes the king with the rest of few people from the town and he goes and he's showing them the exact location of the cave. When this man comes in, this youngster, he comes, he tells the king that let me go in and inform my, 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 my partners, the rest of my friends, let me inform them that all of you are coming because they will be surprised and they're expecting food to come. So he goes in, he informs them of what had transpired. They all had come out and they bring the king into the cave. The king comes in, he speaks to them, he makes mu'anaqa with them, he makes salam with them. He's amazed with their story. The townspeople also come and they're amazed at how these people had slept for 309 years. And then at that moment, as they were seated at their spot, Allah Ta'ala made all seven of these youngsters go back into their places and very gently, very calmly at that spot, Allah caused all of them to pass away. This was the story of the sleepers of the cave. But uniquely at that time, Allah Ta'ala says, he could have slept for even longer. But at precisely after 309 years, Allah made their eyes open because the Muslims and the king of that time, the king was facing a dilemma. That the people who were under his rule, they had some doubts regarding Qiyamah. And how will Qiyamah ever take place? How can Allah allow bodies to come back to life? How can Allah store the bodies for so long? How is it possible that the bodies are going to be returned on the day of Qiyamah with the souls? So Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ أَعْثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ آتِيَةُ لَا رَيْضَ فِيهَا Allah brought these people and let these townspeople who had these doubts, Allah allowed them to see the sleepers of this cave and this cleared their doubts that they had regarding this belief of Qiyamah that how is it going to ever going to happen? Allah made this happen at this time so that these people could also see that Allah has the power to do whatever He wants and Allah can resurrect a person, Allah can store His body, Allah can bring His body back exactly as He wants to. So this, this was the incident of the sleepers of this cave and these are things that happen to us on a regular basis. As we mentioned, the struggle a person goes through, he goes through a problem and is a thought that comes into his mind. When Allah puts the thought in to do something good, sees the opportunity. Then the second point, the second struggle a person goes through is despite whatever, when he made the choice, there's going to be implications that are going to come around him. But all Allah wants is that you take the first step. These youngsters, took the first step and did whatever was required of them. Once a person takes the first step, Allah will make everything around you fall into place and work out for you. Remember, respect the elders and friends. You and I as human beings, our minds sometimes run in towards a direction that we need to do and we need to adopt the means and whatever it takes, we've got to do in order 
to sometimes secure ourselves a job or in order to make a livelihood and we're going to do what the rest of the world is doing. We're going to adopt whatever it takes, forgetting that all these means are in the hands of Allah wa ta'ala. A mu'min's focus is not on the material, is not on what he sees around him, is not on what people are doing. That everyone is doing a thing in a certain way, so we must also do the same. A mu'min's focus is on Allah wa ta'ala. And when a person turns to Allah, like the sleepers of the cave, they turn to Allah despite them being in minority. Despite everyone around him doing whatever they felt was right, they moved away and connected to Allah. And Allah made everything work around them. As far as their protection was concerned, as far as their livelihood was concerned, as far as their survival was concerned, Allah is the being in charge. And Allah will look after everything provided we turn to Allah. We're living in an age and time today when various different ways, there are challenges, there are problems facing the ummah. The solution lies in us turning to Allah. The solution lies in correcting that iman, in guarding that kalima, in guarding the sunnah. When we'll take care of this, Allah will take care of everything else. Outwardly, it may look that we're going to be suffering. But how could a person suffer when he's taken care of Allah's deen? Allah will definitely take care of him. May Allah wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to do the right, to follow the right. We'll end off with one statement. One statement, many a times we feel we've got to go with the flow. And do what the rest of the world is doing, even though it's wrong. No. If Sharia teaches us something, Islam is teaching us something, let's see what's the dictate of Islam, Quran, the Sunnah of Rasulullah. One person mentioned very beautifully, you rather walk alone. You rather walk alone than walk with a crowd moving in the wrong direction. Inshallah give us الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد فيايه الناس قال الله جل وعلا أم حسبت أن أصحاب الكهف والرقيم كانوا من آياتنا عجبا إذا والفتية إلى الكهف فقالوا ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا فضربنا على آذانهم في الكهف سنين عددا ثم بعثناهم لنعلم أي الحزبين أحصى لما نبيه أمدا بارك الله بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا وإياكم بما فيه من الآيات والذكر الحكيم أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فيايها الناس اتقوا الله في السر والعلن وذروا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن وحافظوا على الجمع والجماعة ووطنوا أنفسكم على السمع والطاعة وعلموا أن الله أمركم بأمر بدأ فيه بنفسه ثم ثنى بملائكة قدسه ثم ثلث بالمؤمنين من برية جنه وإنسه فقال تبجيلا لقدر حبيبه وتعظيما إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم فصلي وسلم وبارك على أحب خلقك إليك وأكرمهم لديك 
سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأتباعه وأزواجه كما تحب وترضى عدد ما تحب وترضى ورد اللهم عن أبي بكر صديق نبي من قال في حقه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لو كنت متخذا خليلا لاتخذت أبا بكر خليلا ورد اللهم عن الناطق بالصدق والصواب من قال في حقه سيد الجن والبشر لو كان بعدي نبي لكان عمر ورد اللهم عن كامل الحياء والإيمان من قال في حقه سيد ولد عدنان لكل نبي رفيق في الجنة ورفيقي فيها عثمان بن عفان ورد اللهم عن مركز الولاية والقضاء من قال في حقه النبي الأواه من كنت مولاه فعلي مولاه ورد اللهم عن السيدين بيحانتي سيد الكونين من قال في حقهما سيد الكونين سيدا شباب أهل الجنة الحسن والحسين ورد اللهم عن أمهما فاطمة الزهراء من قال في حقها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سيدة نساء أهل الجنة فاطمة ورد اللهم عن جميع الصحابة خصوصا عن معاوية وعن بنات نبيك زينب ورقية وأم كلثوم فاطمة وعن أزواجه المطهرات خصوصا خديجة وعائشة وحفصة وعن عمي نبيك أبي عمارة الحمزة وبالفضل العباس وعن التابعين وأتباعهم أجمعين إلى يوم الدين ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله تعالى يذكركم ودعوه يستجيب لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أعلى وأولى وأعز وأجل وأتم وأهم وأعظم وأكبر والله يعلم ما تسمعون. الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا سبح اسم ربك الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى والذي أخرج المرعى فجعله غثاء أحوى سنقرئك فلا تنسى إلا ما شاء الله إنه يعلم الجهر وما يخفى ونيسرك لليسرى فذكر إن نفعت الذكرى سيذكر من يخشى ويتجنبها الأشقى الذي يصلى النار الكبرى ثم لا يموت فيها ولا يحيا قد أفلح من تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى 